Blog Talk Radio. Okay with you. 
Yeah. You know, I first started listening to you um, when you uh, a song that comes on Pandora. That's my favorite song. Is what you won't do for love. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, oh my God, who is this woman singing? You know, and mm-hmm. I, I I just couldn't believe the notes that you were singing, the soulness, the richness of and the texture of the voice. All right. I want mm-hmm. to ask you. As an artist who is really, you know, bringing her brand through right now, okay, I know you get the, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the I, I don't want to say the superficial questions, but the surface questions. We're going to actually go below the surface because we think it's, you okay. know, where you're going, it's so important that young people or even, you know, people who are adults who are going another career path and they want to become an artist, they mm-hmm. need to understand, like, the hard work it takes, okay? Yeah. I understand that you are the daughter of a former, you know, of a musician, all right? Would mm-hmm. you say that being the daughter, you know, to start off right now, to start off, that being the daughter of a musician, all right, that mm-hmm. naturally had you decide, hey, I want to be a musician too? Or did you this come like this is just really just what I want to do? Well, I will say, you know, I grew up around a lot of music, and I that that was a huge part of my life growing up. Um, but I, you know, my mom never forced music as a career on me, but she did force us to take piano lessons, you know, and practice every day. And she really just wanted us to have a friend in the piano. Uh, and so, but naturally, it was something that I just really enjoyed doing and because my mom was a singer in a band um that's really why I started singing but as far as doing it as a career it just I think just being immersed in it growing up I I just it was one of my passions well Jay I know you had a question for her Jess how are you doing Tess it's great for you to be on our show and um oh thanks for having me (laughs) I just love your voice you know I'm I'm trying to see because you got like a little Aretha in there, and I hear some Stevie <laughs> Wonder in there, and I, I hear all this great this great voice coming out of you, and then I look at you, and I'm saying, wow, how, how do you do that? Gail, I think she's got a magical thing going on. And uh, it's a song that you did. I just want to ask about this song me and Gail like. It's called Positively Me. Could you explain mm-hmm. how you – know, I just love the concept. Could you explain that a little bit to our audience? Yeah. I uh, – well, I was – Basically, you know, a lot of my songs I write from experience, and that was one of them. And I was just, you know, probably it was all directly related to music and all the ups and downs with that. And I was just having a rough week, and sometimes music is the best way for me to kind of pull myself out of those moments. And so I just, you know... (laughs) Friends are getting married and having kids and on these different career paths, and you sometimes feel like you're in a different world. And um, so I, I wrote that song just to tell myself to keep doing what I'm doing and do what I love. And I think it's important for everybody to do what they love. And, um, you know, um, that's that you're positively yourself and to not worry about what everybody else is doing. 
You know, it, Jay, that brings up a very good question, Tess, and something you just said. You know, you know, Jay and I both being in the arts as well as from the business side, Tess, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can only ima- imagine, you know, like you um, being an artist, okay? You know, like you said, your friends are getting married, they're having children and things like that, mm-hmm. okay? What has mm-hmm. it been like for you? You know, let it, you know let, let's give a young person an actual idea of what a day in the life of Tess Hen- you know, Henley looked like. When you, first yeah. start, when you first started out, you know, to get where you are now and, you know, coming into the industry, even though your mom was already in it and all of that, that doesn't mean you have a silver spoon. Would you let people mm-hmm. know how you actually first started, what life was like in a, in, a, in a given day for you to what life is like in a given day for you now? Yeah. Well, When I first started, I was in college, and that's when I put out my first album, and I was just getting into writing at that point, and um, and then my, I, because of my mom, I started playing a lot of gigs and festivals in the Seattle area, and she had, you know, she was in a cover band in Seattle. She she never really played original music or kind of took it to the next step with that so it was a little bit different but we had a lot of her equipment and connections in Seattle that she was able to hook us up with as far as starting to play around the Seattle area and um, I I was doing that for you know a few years playing at one point maybe three to four nights a week in Seattle while going to school and just trying to figure out what this whole music industry thing was and everything there is to learn. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I spent a lot of money that I didn't need to spend. Um, And eventually I just, it kind of goes in cycles. Like you write and record an album, put it out, and then kind of play shows and learn how to release an album. And then you kind of go back into the writing phase and do it again. And um, and there are so many, you know, facets to the music industry that I'm still learning and it's still constantly changing. And that's the, that's the hard part about it is that it's always changing with today's, you know, the digital world and everything. So, I mean, my day is always pretty different, but I do spend a lot of time online. It's It kind of, you know, it sucks because you don't want to be tied down to your phone or computer. But as an artist, and especially an independent artist, that's kind of what you need to do is just, you know, be active on social media, interact with your fans, and um, and then it, whether it's touring or rehearsing or writing and recording, um, there's always something to be done. It's really like a 24/7 thing, you know. I don't have much of a, so, you know, I don't have much of a social life. I feel like sometimes, um, but that's that's kind of. Uh, it's always just whatever needs to happen at that particular time, that is my day. Well, you know, um, Jay, I just want to jump in before you go to your question really quickly. Um, Tess, you know, you talked about at the beginning, you know, like you were doing a lot of gigs or whatever. 
to give youth that are interested in coming in, because a lot of youth think this is easy, you know, oh, I'm in college, I've done it. But what is it specifically, you know, you as an artist had to do, like, did you have to do gigs, did you have to do demos? You know, what is it, Mm -hmm. you know, you said something very powerful here, too, about how you find yourself online a lot, okay, dealing with your Mm -hmm. fans, you know, and tied to your computer. You know, I just have two questions in this. What is your mm-hmm. what is an artist's process to be in this in this industry that you have had to do, and how does the digital world affect you and your creativity? Yeah, well, I guess the first question. Um, I I think the more self sufficient you can become, um, you know, with anything, I, I've had to learn how to not only with you know, there's the whole music side of things, but then there's design and, you know, videos and I've I've had to kind of produce um and edit videos along the way just because I didn't have the funds or the resources to to find somebody at the time. Um and but I've learned that the more self sufficient you can become, the more money you can save and also the more control you can have as an artist creating your brand and, and your music. Um, and I would say definitely just write. That's that's the biggest thing, you know, write and write and as much as you can and perform as much as you can. Um, it's definitely not easy. You know, I'm still lugging around <laughs> equipment after seven years of doing this and, um so it, you definitely have to grind it out, but I would definitely have a group of people or a support a support system around you for the times when you really need it because you're, I, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it because you probably will need it. Um, and then wow. for the second question, um I definitely it it is distracting with social media. You know, I I sometimes wish that I could leave my phone for a week and just go into the mountains and write or something, but um it's just kind of a unnecessary evil it feels like sometimes and uh it does affect just with everything going on and so much noise in uh social media it can distract from your just the that creative mode that you need to be in to write mhm and mm-hmm. i'm especially like based around a release when you're releasing a project it's there's just so much going on and you really at least for me i have a hard time even thinking about writing when i know i should um, but now I'm starting to feel like I'm ready to to get back into that writing mode. Wow. Wow. So it's almost like you have to make a choice between being out there with your fans or writing or performing. It's not like you, you can you, – I, I see what you're saying. Just so, so yeah. say, what question? What, I know you have a question for, um, for Tess as well. Oh yes, yes I do. Um, I just I understand the writing part, and you have to be in a in that good place when you write. Um, and it's hard with the extra social media world 
And if you don't want to die in the social media world, you want to stay alive. So you have a social media side of you, which is the life, and people want to, they want to talk to you. And they want mm-hmm. to be you. They want to have a piece of you. And if you don't do that, you die in the social media world, which will, will damage your career. And that's the new thing, Gail, that's going on now. My question is, after you've done all this beautiful writing and it's time to take it to the stage, what was it like opening up for the Culture Club? Oh, man, it was so fun. Uh, We played the Greek theater on Friday and then, well, in L.A., and then the Greek theater in Berkeley on Saturday. And um, that was just, you know, um, two really great venues. And then uh, Culture Club, I I mean, I've, I've always been familiar with their music, but to see them live, it was a different thing, you know, uh, and just to even open for them, and that that was an honor in itself, um, and I, I've been touring a lot as a solo act, just for financial reasons, but I got to play with the band for these shows, and that was something that I just, I love doing, wow. and so it was a lot of fun. You know, you know um, Jay. You know, as, as Jay and I've been in the, in the industry for you know a while, from A and R to production to you know whatever from the business side as well as the creative side. And my question to you, mm-hmm. Tess, is you know, um, so if we it, you know the the old music industry was you cut a demo, you put it out to the record label, you know um, they take a look at it. They give you a recording deal. You had A&R development, which would help you with your A&R development. You go in the studio, mm-hmm. do your production, have the right producer. Stop me if I'm wrong here. You have the right producer. Mm-hmm. You're doing the songwriting. You guys, you know, just get into your creative world, as Jay would say, your woodshed moment. You go through that period. You know, you drop your album six weeks with uh, PR and all of that. Have your management out there. Someone doing the booking for you and all of that. And yeah. You are on on a home stretch, so you could actually tour and then have some time off, okay? That's mm-hmm. the way it mm-hmm. used to run. <clears throat> now we find that you have to, you know, when we say you, artists like yourself, you've worked very hard to get where you are, and now you have to be on social media. You also have to write. You also have to find the time to tour. You also have to find the time for <laughs> merchandising. You also have right. to find the time for your producer, right? My question mm-hmm. to you is, you and also now you at least had your CDs and you used to have downloads. Now we have streaming, okay? I want mm-hmm. to know how does streaming affect you personally as an artist, okay? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we hear that Pharrell five to 7,000 times to for $3,000, Okay. Mm-hmm. How does that affect you, Tess, personally, as an independent artist? The streaming side of it versus the download side of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely is a big change for an independent artist, and and the, you know, the money that you make from streaming is not anywhere near where digital downloads or, you know, that used to be. So that that is a change, um, but I think that you kind of have to learn to adapt 
and when you're not in the position of someone like Taylor Swift who can say, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to use Spotify or whatever the case, um, I think you just have to learn to adapt and make how how will you capitalize off of it. And that's kind of where I'm at. And um, I haven't seen any sort of huge, you know, it hasn't taken a hit or anything. I, I think it's, um, for me, I'm just kind of learning how to maximize the streaming um, world now. Interesting. Interesting. Does it make you tour more, Tess, as a result of, you know, now that they're not dealing mm-hmm. with digital downloads anymore, but it's more streaming? Mm-hmm. Does it put you as an artist, or do you feel other artists in a position to have to be on the road more during the year than you normally would? Well, I think, I mean, for me, I've been touring most of the year now, and so, um, but I, I've, I, I feel like even without streaming, I probably would be doing that uh, just because it's something I enjoy doing. And I think that it's still important to do when you're, when you have a new release. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think still though with streaming, you're, you have to balance that a little and definitely get out and play as much as you can. And, Jay, I know you had some more questions. I don't want to take them all from you. Yes, I wanted to know a little bit about your piano classical training, you know, Brahms, mm-hmm. Chopin, Bach, the stuff that you did to, uh, to do music, because you're not just a singer. You you play piano, and I'm just curious, what did you study, and when did you have that desire? Well, I started taking classical lessons when I was three, and my mom was the one who, you know, at three years old, I didn't even, I was playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star on the piano. Um, but my mom was the one who wanted us to start young and kind of learn the piano as a language. And uh, the method, I I learned under the Suzuki method, which is a Japanese really uh, disciplined. And you go through books, different levels of books, and you learn songs, you memorize songs. Um, classical music really helps with your finger dexterity. And my teacher, I had the same teacher from when I was three until my senior year of high school. Um, so she was really the one. It's funny when I look back on it because classical music, um, people don't always think this, but I feel like my teacher and starting with classical music was my first introduction to like playing with soul and associating moods and feelings and emotions with music and what I was playing. And, um, you know, it wasn't really always my favorite thing growing up. Sometimes I would much rather be playing with friends or doing something else. So I really have to thank my mom for keeping me with it and making, forcing me to practice every day and taking me to lessons and recitals. And so, um, but eventually I got into like pop music and, and stuff that I, other stuff that I wanted to be playing, but the classical music really, really helps with, you know, you can read music, which I feel like a lot of musicians, you know, a lot of musicians don't know how to do. Um, right. And I think it's important. 
You know, Jay, that's so powerful what you're saying, Tess, right now, because um, we have like three, three to four more questions for you, Tess. Is that okay with you? Yes. Okay. Um, so we'll do them very quickly. You know, one of the questions that I personally have is, you know, there's so many misconceptions. You know, you just talked about reading music, okay, and the Suzuki mm-hmm. method of, you know, learning music with piano. You know, Jay and Tess, who I often find so much is people have this thing about, let me get into the industry. It's so easy. I'll just make a song and go right in. What are you? What mm-hmm. do you find that when you listen to these new people coming in, what do you find is the biggest misconception that they have about being an artist and the work that it takes to maintain being an artist? Well, I think even myself when I first started, I just didn't even realize how many different little pieces there were to the music industry and everything you need to know, even on the business side, which as an independent artist, that, that I think is the part that really gets people is knowing how the business side of it works. And um, because if you can't really understand that, it's hard to, it's hard to, because you're running your own business pretty much. Um, So that, for me, that was a big thing. I, I, when I first started, my brother, my older brother, who's also a singer-songwriter, he graduated with a business degree, and he was really the one who I was listening to him and kind of following what he was doing, and, and he was really like a big mentor for me when I first started. And then I realized I really had to learn what was going on myself. And that's when I really took a, a larger jump in my career is when I actually could learn about the business and, and what was going on. And then I had a then I had a say in what I wanted and I think that's really powerful. It is um Tess and can you give our audience one very powerful lesson that you learned from the business side a very specific lesson from the business side that you learned that actually has helped your career because as an independent artist you've opened up you're being very she's being so nice about who she's opened up for she's opened up for Jill Scott Anthony Hamilton uh Jay she's had an arranger you know David Rossi who's worked with Ed Sheeran and Coldplay you know, she's she's had some really good people that she's working with. So I'd like to know what specific thing that you learned on the business side that you can tell someone else that has helped propel your career because you're doing very well. Thanks. I I would just I think a big thing, and I'm still you know, it's it's ever evolving. I think, but getting your brand, focusing in and and coming up with a brand that is really focused and tight and uh, I think that really helps. Um, That's something that I've learned over the years and just that side of things, how you want to present yourself and making sure that it's uh, uniform and it's it's you. Um, And and then another thing, you know, I guess just seeking as much knowledge as you can uh, and learning about everything, you know, whether it's 
the sync licensing world or, um, you know, looking into songwriting contests um, and distribution, how that works. Um, And I I just think it's, it's kind of researching what other artists and bands are doing to really help um, what's working for them and how you can apply that to your own music and career. Wow. That, that's really great to know. Um, so I know we have like two more questions for you, Tess, and that's it. And Jay, uh, what are you, I know you had some more questions for Tess. I wanted to know um, your influence as far as your vocals. Like who do, who do you listen to, you know, I just want to know the Chaka Khan or, or maybe Bob. I don't know. I just want to know who. <laughs> well, all these artists that you've named throughout this interview, I've grown up listening to all of them. I mean, I, I listened to a lot of different artists growing up. My mom, from my mom's band, you know, and singing with her in the car. And I remember singing to, like, Natalie Cole and um, the Jackson Five and – uh, Carol King and Bonnie Ray, uh, and wow. then my dad. I remember listening to the car in the car with him. Uh, you know, Sade and Tower of Power and Steely Dan and Eric Clapton, and um, but I really, I mean, I'm I'm always kind of inspired by different artists in different ways, but I really gravitated towards the Soul and Motown, and Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and Donny Hathaway. Aretha Franklin, you know. Um, I hear it. And I hear it. I hear it. It's wonderful. Thanks. You're a great. You're a great. I mean, the industry needs Gail. We need her. She. she you. You're going. You're going. Your wings are flying. I'm just great. I'm glad. You're just a breath. A breath of fresh air. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you. You. You truly are a, a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, it's uh, and I just want to acknowledge to our other guests. We will uh, be with you in a few minutes. We're just a little bit behind. You know, one of the things, okay. that, and 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 it's funny that Tess, you would, uh, Jay would say this. You know, your voice it can go in so many directions. And you know, I just have to take a stab at this. Are you a first soprano or a second soprano? You know, I don't even know. I I was never. Um, in the choir at school, and I, I took some voice lessons in college, but I don't know if I ever even figured that out. But um, I would say she sounds like a first alto. Really? She sounds, yeah, I think mm-hmm. she's a I think she's a second soprano, uh, first mm-hmm. alto as well, alto soprano somewhere in there. You know, before we go, Tess, we just I, I have to ask you this. Would you give us a little bit of your voice with what you won't what you what you won't do for love? I, I just have to hear it live. Oh my gosh! Okay, you know what? I am r- right now. I'm in a Wendy's fast food <laughs> restaurant, and I'm gonna step outside because we, we, just, we just have to hear that a little bit, just a little bit, so our audience can hear it because your voice is just so amazing. Okay. All right. Here we go. I guess you wonder where I've been. I search to find the love within. I can't let you let you know. Got a thing for you. 
and I can't let go. That's that's what I'm talking Not about. I mean, yeah, that sounds. There you yeah. go. Yeah, we. I, I had to have some of that before you left. I I had to. So if you can tell our audience where they can find out more information about you, and one quick thing, so our audience knows this before you go about the industry, are you signed to a major record label right now? No, I am independent. I have a small independent team that's really amazing, <laughs> and um, so um, that's really great to have, and and as far as where to find me, uh, my website's com, or anywhere, iTunes, Amazon, most social media sites, I'm Tess Henley. That's my username. Well, and great. that's thank pretty you much, so much Well, thank you so yeah. much, Tess. And I want to know if you'd come back later in the year and so we could hear more from you and um, support you in any way that we can. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for being on, and I want you to know that we know you're doing a lot more than you, you that you're, you've been very modest, and that's what's so beautiful about you. So thank you for being with us today, and thank you for putting up with our technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thank you. All right, and have an amazing day, Tess. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye, Tess. Bye. Jay, wasn't that an amazing voice? Oh yeah, she's she's going places. That um, was an, um, that was an amazing voice. I mean, really, that was just great, you know. Um, so we're going to bring on the next guest. This is T.J. Evarts, which I hope I'm pronouncing his last name. Jay, he was on with us before from Smart Wheel, the young man who was with the other young people who were who was on the Shark Tank. And since then, oh. they have done, yes, exactly, they've done amazing, and we're going to bring him on right now. Hi, TJ, how are you? Hello, Gail. It's great to speak with you again. How are you? Uh, it's great to speak with you as well. And we have Jay Logan, if you remember. He's our Yes, co-host. hello, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you on our show again. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. And, and, and you know, now I, I, you, you're grown up now, you know. <laughs> you know, what a year and a half has done, my goodness. It's so good oh, to have you. Yes. Well, you know, now, TJ, um, we are now, you know, partners with the U.N., and we do, do a lot of work with youth. And so we've got, you know, just like Tess, a young artist coming up, we have a lot of great questions for you. So are you ready to rock and roll with us? I am ready to go, Gail. Okay. One of the things we want to know, first of all, before we get into the ins and outs, let our audience know what Smart Wheel is so that when we, as we ask our questions, it will make more sense to our audience. Certainly. So the Smart Wheel is uh, a brand-new device that myself and my team are bringing to market. It's the first intelligent steering wheel cover that helps prevent distracted driving. So it's specifically for newer drivers um, or fleet drivers to help them uh, be aware uh, of when they're distracted behind the wheel, and it will alert them in real time to refocus them on the road ahead. So the way it works is it installs just like a regular steering wheel cover and has sensors that detect the position of the driver's hands. 
And from that, our device determines the likelihood that the driver is distracted. And when it detects distraction, it alerts the driver in real time and records that information for later review through our companion mobile app, which assigns the driver a driving grade, a breakdown of their performance, and the opportunity to win cool rewards based upon their driving behavior. Now, if I remember correctly on that, it, you know, Jay and I uh, can recollect, if it's a team driver, does this, this, what you have invented, does it not also send back a report to the parents? Yes, exactly. So that's also handled through our, our mobile app. So the parents can literally uh, download our app for free. They walk up to their smart wheel that they have on their, their kid's car, and uh, over Bluetooth, uh, it actually downloads the latest data, and then it provides a whole bunch of useful tools for the parent to sort of see how the driver's doing. Which means that the teen actually can't get away with much, TJ. <laughs> well, hey, in the ideal world, you know, if it's a safe driver, they won't even know it's on the wheel. So it's really a, just a reminding device, right, to help uh, new drivers recognize when they're not paying attention to the road. Because in the age of technology, you know, distracted driving, it's a huge problem these days. Over 400,000 people are seriously injured every year in the United States um, due to distraction. Uh, and the problem is not just texting, because, you know, you hear a lot about texting, right, Gil? Uh, you hear, yeah. you know, uh, all these different stories. But in reality, cell phones only account for about 5% of the accidents caused by distracted driving. So the problem is a lot bigger than anyone ever realizes. And that's what's unique about the smart wheel as well, is that it's effective for just about every type of distraction, not just cell phones. Well, I know, you know, um, Jay, I'll, I'll start off with the first question. You know, my first question to you is, um, TJ, with, you know, this, we talk about teens, right? But this mm -hmm. also applies to adults as well. Many adults you'll find texting while they're at a traffic stop or something like this. Have you also expanded this product to go for anyone of any age? Certainly, <laughs> certainly, and definitely, and that's sort of uh, you know why we have some some cool uh, stuff coming down the road, including you know we're working with insurance companies to possibly provide insurance discounts to smart wheel users um, to provide that incentive for older drivers to be able to use our device. We're also implementing some cool features as well uh, since last time we talked, uh, including some gesture recognition features. Imagine being able to control all of your smart devices and uh, some car functions with just simple taps or swipes on the steering wheel of any car, no matter if you have a brand-new one off the line or a 10-year-old clunker. <laughs> it's pretty cool technology. <laughs> Jay, I know I, you had your I'm first. Yeah, I'm just amazed. Now, this is TJ that was on our show a year and a half ago, right? Same yes, guy. it is. <laughs> okay, yes, it is. Okay, TJ, I'm, I like, you know, I don't know what, you're just amazing. Could you tell us? How did you put this team together? I mean, you got vice presidents, vice marketing, vice president of operations. What was it like putting together? And you're the CEO. And I mean, how old are you now? I mean, come on, this is incredible. It's another story. <laughs> well, I, I'm 19 years old now, um, wow. and and that was really one of the most uh, the biggest learning experiences for me because I know I, I know I know I probably shared this before, but uh, you know I have a technical background. I'm a technical guy. You know, learning software and hardware and that sort of thing. Uh, so putting together a team was something that was new for me, uh, and being able to you know find the right people and and bring them on board and learning, you know, uh, you know all the ins and outs of the business, and it was really a unique experience. And while I was, I've been very fortunate um, because of you know the project and everything, we've been able to uh, have some really great people sort of gravitate towards the project, and eventually we just we brought them on board full time 
and it has been work just worked out fantastic. We have a great group behind us now in, in all areas, as you as you can see on our website. Um, wow! Wow! So yeah, amazing. we're ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, TJ. Um, I, I, the next time we talk to you, I don't know. You may have an app that has us flying. Right. Which uh, exactly. <laughs> You know, um, one one of the things that we had the opportunity, TJ, to do is there is a. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, mobile called Aero Mobile with Giraj Voculus? He's out of uh, the eastern part of uh, Europe, and they were awarded at South by Southwest the Innovation Award for the first flying car. I mean, we have it here in the U.S., but they have perfected it. It's working. You can fly from anywhere in Europe, you know, within Europe, and it will be for sale at the end of this uh, year. Are you familiar with that car, Aeromobile? It sounds familiar. Uh, to be honest, you know, ever since I saw saw the you know the movies, uh, you know, Chi Chi Bang and stuff, I've always dreamed of you know flying cars, and so I have followed them closely. Um, I'm not sure if I've heard of that particular one, but there's some really interesting designs out there, and good for them too. It's about time, is what I say. <laughs> well, here's the question we need you I to make to Exactly. But here's the question I have for you. You know, one of the issues that's going to come in with a car that flies is going to be getting the, you know, the air traffic controllers and so forth as we have cars that are flying, because this car actually flies. It doesn't have any real issues. So as we start Mm -hmm. getting that air traffic control situation, how do you see your technology fitting in with something like that. In aeromobiles, garage, we want you to meet uh, TJ Evarts. We're going to put you in contact with these guys anyway. But we want to know, how would you, how would you foresee something like your smart wheel being on a car that can fly and then go back down to the ground and drive like theirs does on the road? How would you foresee that? If we put you on the spot right now, PJ. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know what? To be completely honest, I see the the fit being very similar to a technology that you know we have. We're very advanced on here in the U.S. too, which is you know the auton- autonomous car and that sort of thing as well. Um, one of the great things about our technology is we're actually able to tell when the driver has you know refocused on the road ahead. And that's something that's really useful to a whole bunch of different applications. For example, I'll just use the autonomous car because, you know, we've talked to people in the area. But, um, for example, one of the biggest problems is how do how does the car know that the driver is ready to take back control of the car? You know what I mean? And find, mm-hmm. being able to, to find that, that balance and be able to create that technology is something that we see as a great fit for our technology. And to be honest, you know, how much more important is it to stay focused if you're flying, you know what I mean? It, it's definitely much more important. So being able to tell when the driver's distracted and be able to have the alerts um, in place to be able to, you know, keep them focused on the road is something very important. Also, I'd imagine um, I'd be actually kind of excited to to talk with them because one of the things we're actually developing in our product, too, is uh, actually an open API for developers to be able to interface with our device and be able to provide some of the additional gesture recognition functionality that I was talking about. And I think the nice thing about it is since it's over Bluetooth, uh, we're able to communicate with also Bluetooth-enabled cars. So if these cars are Bluetooth-enabled, then our technology would fit in really well in terms of just being able to keep the driver's hands on the on the wheel um, while they're flying or while they're driving and being able to you know mitigate some of those distractions that are constantly bombarding them. So I definitely see it as a, as a fit uh, in, in all future technology for sure. And again... You know, sooner enough, it's going to be actually in the steering wheel of the car as well. So that's something to consider 
too. It's going to be built in rather than just an aftermarket product. Oh, wow. So you're going to, you're going to have it integrated into the car itself. Well, it's, a, it's an avenue we're pursuing. I can't say too much about it um, right now, but I think that it's definitely that's ultimately the goal, right, to have every car in the United States have our technology in it. I, I think that that would be perfect because then you really, you know, have, have a situation set up, TJ, from what you're telling us, Jay and TJ. It, it's a situation set up where almost, you know, the team doesn't have to or you don't have to worry about putting it on. It's actually there. Right, and, and this, exactly. it, 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 it's it's just an automatic. Um, I ha- I have like so many questions for TJ right now, Jay. So I don't want to jump in front of you because, like, I'm I want to have fun with him today. <laughs> I just want one of these things. It looks so neat, you know. It's like how many soft buttons, or how many how many sensors are there on this on this on this controller? That's basically what it is. I, I'm just curious. Well, technically, it's one. Um, okay. But we're able to do a whole lot, a whole lot with that single sensor. So, yeah. So there's one that just goes all the way around the the steering wheel cover. Yep. Okay. So okay. So all of so is that all all that's all LEDs on there, or this just? Well, I don't know which uh, which picture you're looking at. If you're looking at our current website, www.smartwheelusa.com, there's some good pictures of the latest version um, where we've moved all the alerts. I don't know. The, since we last talked with you, Gail, I think it, it's changed. Um, we actually okay. moved all the alerts to the very top of the steering wheel. And the reason was is that um, there was some concern about when the lights went off, the driver would have to look down to see them, right? So we wanted to make sure that they were right in the field of vision so the driver could you know, still be alerted but, you know, with the lights and the tone, but at the same point, still be able to keep their eyes on the road. So it's changed a little bit um, since the previous design. We've also focused a lot on the aesthetics, too, you know, including, you know, uh, nice you know, leather, stitching, et cetera, to right. make sure it fit into all the modern cars in terms well, of I think that's the, the only one, Gail, and it looked like the Batmobile. You know, it's neat. It's kind of yes, cool. Right. <laughs> I see the new one. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, Jay, one of my questions here is, you know, TJ, you know, Jay and I have this this, this back and forth, uh, sort of say debate. Okay, you know, okay. Um, I, I want to ask you how you feel actually about two things. One re- references exactly what you're doing, and another one references you as 19. You know, today's uh, media we hear all the time the the youth are the future. The youth are the future. For me, it's an excuse for baby boomers and older people to still stay relevant. Okay, to be behind <laughs> to be behind the youth. Where personally, I actually think that the baby boomers need to be secure within themselves to really keep leading the way. Because as a young person, you know, baby boomers were allowed to be young and make their mistakes, or you know, go for their careers and do the things that they do. I have two questions for you on this. One. Do you think that the media, because we as the marketing people or the media are the ones, even though Jay and I are not media, we do stories on you people like you to inspire others, we are actually, we, you know, we're actually um, a social change group that makes a difference worldwide with you. So that's where this question is coming from to you. Do you think that youth are being, uh, that the media is really putting a lot of pressure on youth to be the future when, as an example, things like climate change and what you're doing technology-wise, the things that kind of have made the mess are coming from the adults, and then we're pushing the younger people to take care of the issues that we've actually put out there rather than using innovations like what you're creating and working together with young and old. Do you think we're putting too much pressure on you guys? 
to clean up our messes? I, that's a very tough question. Um, I would say that in terms of, in a way, pressure is good, right? Because that's sort of, you know, you need motivation in order to accomplish anything, anything great. You need that determination uh, to, you know, to change things. And that's sort of, you know, what's sort of driven the Smart Wheel story from the beginning is being able to change the way young people drive for the better. Um, in ter- but I think, to be honest, Gil, I think that's going to take a group effort because a lot of you know kids these days, some they don't feel empowered. You know what I mean? They don't feel like they have the ability or the skills to be able to make these, you know, ch- fix these gigantic problems, or they feel like, oh, I have to wait until I'm 30 years old or 40 years old before I can do anything about it, which is really not the case. And, and not just me and, and my team, but you can look at a bunch of different young innovators and seeing how they're changing the world. Um, you know, even before they, you know, they go to college. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think that in a way pressure is good, but I do think it's going to take a, a group effort. And I do think that um, instead of pressure, I would I would say um, there are a lot of programs out there now, but I would definitely vote for empowering the young younger generation as well. And what do you, do you think that empowering younger and older so that everyone stays relevant and everyone is in intergenerational communication? Because when you're older, you have the wisdom to lead. When you're younger, you have the innovations and both can learn from each other. Would you say that that's an incorrect statement or a correct statement or an, or an amended statement needs to be made on that? <laughs> no, I think I agree with that. I think that um, one of the things I've noticed in, in my you know short career is the that you know I feel a lot you know because of my experiences I feel very comfortable around adults in, in terms of being able to communicate with them be able to have them give me advice you know you hear the 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 saying you know the the was it youth is wasted on the young but if young and old and older people are working together then you have the best of both worlds so I definitely see that and I, every young person I, I come in contact with any aspiring young entrepreneur you know I always recommend first thing is you know, get mentors to help you, um, you know, attain the skills that you need or the wisdom or the know-how to achieve your goals you know learn it yourself through you know someone who's actually done it and that you know rather than having to you know go through necessarily a class or something real world experience is invaluable so that's you know something i've always been an advocate of wow um jay i know you have a question cuz i have some tech questions for tj so i'm i'm going i don't want to take up all the time away from you jay okay i i want to know if i was the um the mom in the van and i wanted to get this for my kid and you know, I want to know what will I have to do. Which OS will I need? Could I use it on Android or Apple? Or and how much will it cost me? And what mm-hmm. do I need to do? I, I don't know <laughs> well, here's here's what you I need to do, Jay. You need to go to our website. <laughs> well, here's the thing too. Um, we're actually still pre-release, so we'll actually be releasing these out on our website in just a couple weeks. So uh, I'll, we'll definitely be sh- sure to shoot you guys and let you guys know. But basically, what happens is once they're launched, you go to our website, um, you know, order it online. It'll be sent to you. Uh, literally, it takes two seconds to snap it onto the steering wheel. Uh, then, basically, you just download our app. We'll include a, a link. It, it, it'll when we launch, it'll support both Apple and Android. Um, I'm an, I personally enjoy developing for Android a lot, so uh, I'm, I tend towards that. But we will support both. And then, what happens is you just walk up to our device, um, register it through the app. So literally, you just type in the serial code you find on the box. And you're good to go. Oh wow, that's, that's real quick. Yep. So uh, it also, it'll cost about one hundred and ninety-nine dollars to start off with on our website. Oh wow, that's small, not bad. Small price to save your life. That's right. Well, here's the thing too: is you think about it, I, I find this fascinating. 
Um, you know, a lot of young people here are required to take, you know, driver education before they get their license. And, you know, you know parents, they pay a premium for that. You know, it's 700 to to $1,000 for driver ed. And they think that you know, this, this, this sort of perception out there that as soon as a driver gets their license, ooh, it's a magic wand. You know, they're, they're, they're safe drivers. You know what I mean? They're, they have all the experience of a 40-year-old, which is really not the case. There's nothing for that first six months after they get their license when they're most vulnerable uh, to keep them safe. And that's where we sort of see the smart wheel fitting in, in that category is sort of the next step beyond driver's ed, that, that, uh, that training tool. You know what I mean? The real-world training tool. Interesting. You know, Jay, what's in- interesting for me, I'd like to know, is, you know, we're getting to this point. You know, I think um, we're, we're right on the threshold. I, you know, Jay and I are in technology heavily, okay? But for me, I, I, I always, again, we, he and I go through this debate, you know, um, I think I'm getting, Jay, a little bit more on my side, right, Jay, about the integration <laughs> yep. of, uh, of technology. You know, um, I, if you remember, um, TJ, do you remember the movie The Intern? Ship with um, Owen uh, Vince Vaughn and I forgot his name Owen Wilson. Do you remember that movie about a year ago? It's called The Internship. Um, I've heard of it. I have to admit I haven't watched it. <laughs> okay, so it's all about being two older guys at Google, while everybody mm-hmm. else was like half their age. And there was a scene at the end of the movie where they have the the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and they, and you know they were teaching the, the the young people to loosen up and have some fun, right? as well as mm-hmm. they were learning from the, in the movie from the, But there was this part where they said you can't Google the Golden Gate Bridge. That's what the young people were used to doing. So they were sitting out looking over at the Golden Gate Bridge. And the reason why this scene to me is so important is because as much as I love technology, as you know, once you're on your phone and you're on your iPad and you're on your computer, you just get plugged in sometimes and you can't get off of it. And, I'm, you know, the cars now, we're getting into these driverless cars, you know, like what we were just talking about, right? The mm-hmm. cool thing I love about Aeromobile is it's all about you still having control of the vehicle. You know what I mean? It's one mm-hmm. of those things where you have to control the flying and the driving once down on the ground. It's so cool. And it actually almost looks like it's like one of the coolest cars I've ever seen. The cars here in the U.S., sorry, I love my country, but you guys, the cars, look, they, they look plunky. So my question to you is, driverless cars, I mean, don't you think that takes away the fun of learning to drive, hanging out with your friends, going on your first dates and everything? Don't you, don't you think people will get to a point where they're bored, they have nothing to do? You know, I'm going to tell the car to take me where I need to go. You know, what do you think about that? Well, uh, personally, I know I'm a technical guy, so I, I actually like the technology behind autonomous cars a lot. But if you think about it practically, you know, that's like, you're exactly right. I mean, people, the thing is, in you know, car companies, I think they realize is, you know, people enjoy driving. You know what I mean? That, except for, you know, long-haul truckers and that sort of thing, well, they might enjoy driving too. But, you know, people enjoy driving, and while that's happening, there's always going to be a resistance for the autonomous vehicle. Which, But what I like about the way they're introducing it is they're introducing it a little bit at a time, right? So they have these driver lane assist uh, functionality, which basically has the capability to drive the car all by itself. Um, but what they do is they dial it back and give the user control of it. So how much of the assist they want, you know, when they want it activated and that sort of thing. So they're introducing it a little bit at a time. And then eventually, once it becomes mainstream, then they have the opportunity to introduce, you know, the driver, the full functionality. And the ultimate goal of this technology is, you know, to prevent crashes and to get where you're going quicker. 
So for the business world, I think it makes total sense. But in terms of the personal world, you know what I mean? Uh, it might be a little bit of a harder sell. Then there's the other side of things, too, where you know, some of these auto companies, they you know, in a way, they make money off of you know the accidents and that sort of thing as well. So there's this is a trade-off, but I'm glad to see that they're sort of overcoming that and working towards the future and not just sort of having you know, stalling innovation, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Did I answer your question? It, it does, it does, it does. It's just, you know, I'm trying to see is, you know, um, you know, TJ, you know, let's just say you're up there with your girlfriend, right? And you're in a driverless car. I mean, Jay, this is going to be funny to you, I know. But TJ's in a car. He's on his one, on a on a great date, and he's in a driverless car, right? And it's like, you know, the whole cool thing is you're trying to, you know, really show off that you've got good driving skills. You know, you've got your smart wheel there, so you're doing the safe driving thing, and everything is really great, okay? But now you're in a driverless car, so there's no need for you to show off, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're talking and, you know, the car's just going wherever you're told to go. I mean, it just seems something about that is taking away the fun out of driving. You know what I mean? So that is, yeah. that is that's my concern, like the whole fun of having the experience of going out on your first date or having the experience of driving. It's like, okay, a father's going to teach your son or daughter, go out there and teach them. It's like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to not drive. The car is going to drive itself. It's just kind of funny to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know it is. And, and that's well, hey, maybe it's a generational thing. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a generational thing too. Um, because as you see with smartphones, there's a huge resistance to it, especially with the whole texting movement. I know there's a huge resistance by parents and that sort of thing to to texting because it was taking away the personal interaction. You know what I mean? Um, but then people, you know, the younger generation, they actually grow up with that technology. And so for them, they don't even know any different. So they might not be able to grasp concepts like that. You know what I mean? So that's a danger for sure. Um, but again, you know, I, I love innovation. I love technology and, and where it's going and the possibilities on, and how to, you know, save lives. Because ultimately human life is, you know, one of the most important things. So um, if we're able to do that, I, you know, I'd be willing to go to great lengths for sure. Jay, uh, I know you. Have, I don't want to take your spot here, sir. Yes, TJ, um, I wanted to know since you've left uh, the Shark Tank TV show, and you know, around March, you've been and all these wonderful entrepreneurs. How has life been? What 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 has it uh, what has it been like since then? Uh, well, it's, it's very interesting for sure, and, and to be honest, that's that experience has boosted us to where we are today for sure. I you know, I give a lot of credit to that experience. Um but it's interesting. I was just at the the Detroit Maker Fair this past weekend uh with you know presenting cuz you know we were on Innovation Nation which is the Henry Ford's uh TV program and it is interesting you go to these events and you know half the people you know have seen your episode and they know all about your product already and they recognize you before you even know them. You know what I mean? It's a weird feeling for sure. But I think it's really fantastic to see the reach that the show has, just in, not even in terms of Smart Wheel, but also in terms of just inspiring other entrepreneurs and, and other things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, life has definitely changed for the better, and it's, it's a great. It, also, you know, one of the things you always struggle with as a young entrepreneur too is you know uh, credibility and that sort of thing, and so yeah, that really helps out from that side uh, for our business for sure. Um, not to mention, you know, the, the fantastic people we brought on board um, be able to, you know, bring us through this process. So, uh, yeah, definitely life has changed. And I would definitely recommend it, too, for any other one out there. Definitely apply. It's a it's a great show and a great experience. And what's nice is they actually walk you through how to put together your first pitch to investors, which, you know, I was, 
<laughs> that was my first time pitching to investors at that time, so it was great to have you know people help me out with that for sure. You are remarkable. I mean, I'm so glad that you come, you came back to our show. I can't. I'm looking forward, Gail, because I can't. I don't know what he's going to be doing the next time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually scared myself to see you know you know what he what he may be doing next. You know, TJ. One of the questions I have you know with innovations, you said something about the balance of you know. Um, just that, you know, be, being taken seriously, so to speak, if I could put it that way, about mm-hmm. being um, an entrepreneur as a, a, a young person. Now, you're 19 years old, am I correct? Yes. Okay. At 19 years old, here it is, you and your colleagues have developed this product, okay? You're young. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have to say to you that I think you're take, you're going to be taken seriously regardless because, you know, people like, Mark Zuckerberg and all of these guys, a lot of these people found these things at young ages just like you as well. But I mm-hmm. do want to ask you something. As a young person, how are you able to balance being an entrepreneur and going to school? Because if I remember right, your parents were very staunch on you definitely going to school and, you know, developing this product but making sure that, you know, you were successful where you wanted to be as well. How is it in balancing all that out? Yeah, well, it, it definitely in high school was quite a juggling act for sure. Um, but luckily, I you know I've graduated, right? So now what I've done is actually deferred college. Uh, you know, been accepted, of course, but deferred college to work on this full time now. Um, so I did a gap year and then deferred. So I've been working on it full time for quite a while now. So the option is always available for sure. Um, but oh, Gail, to be honest with you, I, and I recommend this to all young people, entrepreneurship is such a learning experience in and of itself. Um, being able to meet the people that I meet, the CEOs of these different companies, and be able to hear their life stories and be able to understand the challenges they went through. It's just something you don't get in school, you know what I mean? It's really hard to obtain that um, without just getting out there and you know learning stuff for yourself. Even if you make mistakes, you know what I mean? There's a whole thing about mistakes, but they're really learning experiences, and soon enough you find that out too. So um, I just have been learning so much, including you know everything from more technical skills, to negotiation skills, to presentation skills. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I recommend for all young entrepreneurs is, you know, develop your communication skills. Learn to talk with people because if you're able to present your ideas in a way that makes people gravitate towards them, then you've, that's half the battle right there. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that's something that's really helped propel us forward is our story and the way we're able to present it and, and sort of the passion we have behind it. You know what I mean? Wow. Well, you know, but the thing is, TJ, everyone is not you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Not, I think everyone, everyone has potential, Gail. <laughs> no, no, they do. They do. But I think, you know, for I, I, what I really would like our audience to know is, you know, I know that, you know, for you guys, you developed this, but tell some people that the, the some of the challenges you face as being an entrepreneur. Like, you learn these things, but what are some of the things you you face as a young entrepreneur? Uh, well, let's see. Um, <laughs> so a couple different things. Uh, one is obviously as a young entrepreneur, when you go to these these you know companies and you present and everything, the the one challenge is you know they the people you're talking to they want to know that you you're the real thing that you know what you're talking about and that you know, you're everything that you know you you've said that you are. And so being able to prove your credibility within a meeting um, with someone is, is an extremely important skill. I know some, you know, some. There are presentations out there re- regarding age, and 
there's a funny saying uh by the by the time you're you know you're too young until you're too old you know what i mean uh you're too young in terms of you know these people in these people's eyes in terms of age but then you're able the the advantages of being an entrepreneur fade away so fast that by the time you do have you know the the age behind it you know you might have lost some of the innovation and that sort of thing but i found the solution to that it really is just know your know what you're doing and be passionate about what you're doing if you do those two things You'll be able to earn everyone, anyone's respect, and be able to um, work with them on a, on an equal basis uh, to help reach your goals. And, and that's something I really value too. Is you know the personal interaction between all of our partners and everything. It's something that I find extremely important, and uh, I, I really enjoy meeting all these people. They're great people. Um, another challenge I would say is, as you mentioned, with school and priorities and that sort of thing. You know, there are a lot of things as a young person to distract you. Uh, and it's sometimes hard to prioritize and, and be able to use your time efficiently. So, But that just comes with practice, you know what I mean? You being able to sort of sit down and organize yourself and put your schedule together and that sort of thing. And and really remind yourself on a daily basis why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, this really provides great motivation for that. Um, and other than that, I mean, I think that, you know, if you're able, if you again, if you have passion and you're determined, then you know people tend to gravitate towards that, and, and that's something that's really sort of propelled us forward uh, throughout this process. So yeah, I'd say those are the main ones. Um, but yeah, you know, to be honest with you, it, I I've been so fortunate and blessed in, in this whole experience to be able to get as far as I have. I mean. Uh, you know, I started off as you know nothing you know special or anything, but through the through the years, been able to learn skills that have really set me apart and or set us apart as a group, and be able to achieve what we've been able to achieve. Wow, that's, that's a, yeah, that, that's that's um I think it's amazing. Um, me and Gail, we work with a lot of organizations. One of our partner organizations is called Savoy, and we go out and we try to. Help, I guess, give a lending hand to the rest of the world. And I'm, I'm, I want to ask you: are, Do you plan on doing anything for humanity? Let's say you become very successful. What would you do if you could do something to help the world? What would you leave us as a legacy? <laughs> well, I put a smart wheel in every car. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, but to, to be honest with you, you know, I think that you know a lot of people, you know, they're they're in need for sure, and. Mm. No, that's a good question because there are so many good causes out there. You know what I mean. But definitely something. You know, one thing that we've sort of been talking about, you know, around it is is being able to use entrepreneurship as a means to help you know, people in developing countries. And that's sort of been a, a new theme if you follow, you know, um, so these different organizations that they're doing out there. Is that their first step is helping people, and the second step is training them to, you know, be able to improve their own communities. And I think that's that I'd love to experiment more in the future. Wow. You know, um, speaking of organizations, you know, Listen, Give, and Savoy um, does a lot with youth and education. And one of the things that we like youth to to do is learn on their own terms, you know, get Common Mm. Core and all of these things. And it's important to us that youth learn on their terms because someone who's creative and someone who who learns more scientifically and someone who learns from engineering, engineering and science are two different things. They're similar, but they're different. Tech is similar, but it's different. Mathematics is similar, and it's different. And I want to ask you something. You have had both men and women, you know, together in your group that have come together with this, all right? From Mm -hmm. a young man's perspective, I know you hear all about this thing with getting more girls into STEM, which is our science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 
Now, I don't mean to put you on the spot, TJ, okay? But as a as a young man, what do you think about, um, do you think really, because you're out there, you're on the ground, you're with other young people, do we have it wrong? Are there more women than we think in, you know, in engineering and technology and all these things, or or do you think that there is a missing where more girls need to get involved? Well, I, I don't know. I think that I've been able to experience it. I wouldn't call it a balance, but there are a lot more people, you know, women involved in science and engineering that you, than you would think. Um, however, that being said, it's again, it's not something that's really looked forward to in, you know, in a younger age, you know what I mean, which is, I guess, the whole point. Um, but I'm all for sort of equal opportunity, too. You know, I've run into frustrations. You know, a lot of great programs out there for women that, you know, I might like to take, you know, use to sort of further, you know, my team's sort of um, development. But, again, you know, I'm not a woman, unfortunately, so I can't take advantage <laughs> of that sort of thing. So, uh, I, again, I, I think that it's a balance, and we just need to be careful not to overshoot the mark. You know what I mean? When you say that, can you explain that a little bit? Um, I don't want to step over that. When you say be careful not to overshoot the mark, what do you mean by that, TJ? Well, I just mean that, you know, we want to put programs out there and everything and, you know, support, you know, both genders, right? Um, and then, it, but again, we don't want to go so far that all of a sudden now the, the men are at the disadvantage, you know what I mean? I know that sounds strange, but it could definitely, you know, it can be true, especially in college and that sort of thing. It's definitely a challenge, um, you know, to, to have any sort of help, you know what I mean? Um for, you know. Again, I don't want to get well, into it too much. I know it's a touchy subject. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I'm going to bring you out there. I have one more question for you after this, and then we're done. But I know Jay has some uh, questions, too. So I'm actually going to put you out there, TJ. But it will be fun. Okay. Uh, my, my, my question is this, Gil. How do you balance the creative and research and development side with the entrepreneur and business social media side, and which one do you like best, and is it hard? Well, that's a great question. Hey, that's 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 uh, man, I could go on for ages about that because uh, I, I have an interesting story, right? I mean, uh, I started out as a technical guy, right? Uh, but over the t- over the period of the few years we've been, in, you know, doing this, uh, I've sort of transitioned into doing a little bit of both and being able to become more more experienced in the business side. I have to admit, it is pretty fun um, to be able to go out and meet these people and be able to find synergies and find out how to work together and how to make the world a better place together. Uh, I'd say that currently, because I, I that's sort of new to me, I, I, I am enjoying that quite a bit. And I think the balance is where your passion lies and what, what you're getting results at. So, for example, uh, I believe in the technical you know area you know that you do reach a point where you know you might you need to bring someone else on who does have the experience because you know my motto has always been well nothing's as hard as you think it is right so just go out and learn it yourself if you need to know it you know what I mean it's you live in the 21st century you know you, you can teach yourself anything mm-hmm. if you want to um and but I think that there is a point where you sort of go, you know, where you had a lot of success in. And for me, I've had a lot of success in the business side, you know, recently, uh, being able to reach out and, and form these partnerships and be able to, you know, inspire people to sort of join the movement of this whole anti-distracted driving uh, movement that's out there now. Um, so I'd say in terms of a balance, I'd say that, you know, personally, I'm still working with it. You know what I mean? I have people on both sides helping me out, and, you know, I'm having a great time um, being sort of involved in both. Uh, but if I had to choose right now, the business side is is 
Oh my goodness, it's it's just amazing, and I'd recommend it. Um, you know, just being able to go out and make these partnerships. Wow. You know, Jay and um and and TJ, something you said, and Jay, I would love for you to weigh in on this as well. Jay, you know, Jay and I again, we we love to banter back and forth. TJ, it's really great for he and I because we learn so much from each other in doing so and being colleagues, and with also with our other colleagues who are located in, in various parts of the world which offers, like, a really interesting perspective when we, we have so many ages in our group, okay? And mm-hmm. um, one of the things you said is very powerful that I'm in agreement with, and I know that some of the women are going to get angry with me when I say this. I 100% agree with you. I think that if we put too much of a balance towards all these programs for women, we're actually, when a woman is saying she wants equality, it's almost fighting for something she doesn't believe that she already has, and then we train the younger uh, generation of women that they need to fight for something that is already there for them, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And I also believe that if we put too much emphasis on it, we're not focusing on the partnership between girls and boys and men and women. All right? Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I believe is important. Partnership where they learn from each other, where if they're in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, that they are learning from each other, but not focusing on let's put out 2,000 programs for the girls and, you know, one program for the boys. You know what I mean? I think it's mm-hmm. more of, you know, men and women are made up differently, whether we like it or not. We are. And we learn mm-hmm. differently and we interact differently. So I think it's important more from a personal and professional uh, perspective to actually partner together, learn from one another, ask each other questions when it comes to technology and things like that. Those are my thoughts, okay? And it's Mm -hmm. something that I continue to push forward to across all cultures. My question to you is, and, you know, you said something about meeting all these people. One thing I do find is that Let's say a girl does what a young man does, you know, your age. Let's say she's 19, right? And she does what you're doing. She would be said to be too pushy. Now, you, I know you've heard that, okay? If she's a young entrepreneur, she's out there, she's doing what she needs to do. What advice would you give across the board if a girl is 19 and doing the same thing you're doing? But she's told she's too pushy. But for a young man, it's not pushy. What would you say to that? I would say, I, I, to be honest, I think that they might be in the wrong circle. <laughs> um, I've always, you know, been in the camp of being able to surround yourself with people who will, you know, who are smarter than you in some ways, you know, and, and build you up um, and be able to help you reach your goals. And if it means going to an older age group, then don't, that's that's not a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? I say go for it. Um, if you're around people who are bringing you down, then you need to reevaluate your position and who you have involved in your in your business or your company for sure. Because to be honest, and a lot of entrepreneurship is leadership, and if lead, if the leadership in that situation is viewed as you know, I don't want to say the word, but you know, pushiness, <laughs> then uh, then it's just it's just it's not the right situation. You just need to fix it. Um, did you say you were only nineteen? Yes. <laughs> okay, because that advice really goes across the board for anyone, any age. I really applaud you for how you're doing it and what you're doing. Um, it's amazing. Jay, my questions are done. Do you have any more questions for him? I, I have my last question, Gil. And, you know, I love to go to these trade shows. I like to ask him, how was it going to the CES show this oh, year? Okay. And, and you, I know you had fair. 
I was going to ask that one. That's not fair. You got to see Jay Well, you can ask it. No, no, you go ahead, Jay. I'll, I'll give you that one. I mean, because you got all these new devices, and I don't know if you could stay in your your booth or go around. I mean, what, what was this like? Could you just give us a little short experience going to that? Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, that that was that was just fantastic. And if any listeners out there haven't gone to the CES show and they're interested in technology, it's it's a must. They must go. It's always sort of been a dream of mine to go to that show because it is sort of the premier show of new technology and everything. And so to finally go there, not only as an as an attendee but as a, an exhibitor. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, you may not know this. Um, like you probably do. They have this new uh, section that's for entrepreneurs only. You know what I mean? It's for new startups and that sort of thing called Eureka Park. And so that's a new thing. And that we were able to take part in that is just uh, amazing. It, was, it not only made it affordable for us to go, but it you know it's something that they actually promote. So we were able to meet some really interesting people there. I like to say it was worth every penny in the first five minutes. Because uh, all the partners that we wanted to talk to while we were there, they all came by the booth in the first five minutes. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I think we had just like all the car companies came through, all of the big you know, shipping companies came through, wow. uh, a lot of you know integrators came through. Uh, just a, and it was it was a lot of work for sure, <laughs> a lot of work, but it was totally worth it. And and I did get a chance to go around and see some of the other um, displays. And we were in uh, Tech West, right? which is sort of, you know, they have the, where some of the smaller companies and more innovative and different innovative solutions are. And this amount, this this range of the technology that's coming to market soon is just un- unbelievable, unbelievable. Some of the displays there were just mind-blowing, you know what I mean? Um, both right. in the haptic space, in the wearable space, uh, in the wow. mobile space, all these different things. Um, yeah, definitely, it's a must-go. It's a must-go if you haven't gone. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love CES, and 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 you know, speaking of CES, so Jay, you you got my CES question, so I gotta have fun with you, Janice. One more question. Okay, so President Obama, what yes. was that like for you, meeting the oh, president was, of the United States? Yeah, I mean, you know, all politics aside, it was uh, you know a fantastic experience because. Um, we actually were able to do that as part of the White House Science Fair, which is one of the new sort of initiatives that's sort of been going on for the past few years, um, where the winners of all the STEM programs, they get to go and present to the president, which I think is a fantastic way to sort of, you know, get people involved and inspired in, in the areas of, of STEM. And uh, it was definitely a great experience. It's an interesting story. I might have told this last time, but the uh, – but it's funny, you know. Before they, the president comes in and everything, they they send around the the prep, the prep the prep people to sort of walk you through your presentation, make sure you're not taking too long. Say, oh, everything has to be under two minutes. And then the president comes along, he talks to us for ten minutes. You know what I mean? It's just he was really engaged in in the product, wow. and he said, you know, he uh, very supportive of the product uh, and the initiative because you know his daughters they're learning to drive, you know, right now. So it's uh, he's in the perfect uh, spot to be able to need one of these. So. Uh, Definitely uh, something we'll be doing shortly. You know, we'll definitely be sending him a unit. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I, I remember that in he actually asked, would Sasha be getting one? I remember that. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was actually something he asked you guys, and it was it was written in the thing. So, you know, um, TJ, we are so grateful that you were on with us longer. Thank you Yay. for dealing with us with the technical <laughs> glitches that we had. And we just want to know if you'll come back and be with us later in the year and let us know where you are. 
Yeah, certainly. I, what I'd love to do is uh, be able to come on like right after we launch because that'll be a learning experience that I'd love to share <laughs> to other young entrepreneurs and, and young people out there as well. So that experience. So cool. for sure, Gail, thank will. you so much. And we will be supporting yeah. you along the way. And, um, you know, we're going yes, to we hold will. you as like a partner with us um, and put mm-hmm. you on our website and what you're doing. Um, we have a lot of major partners that are going on now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, let the, let the UN know what you're doing. And then what we will do is what we've said. We will get you in touch with the people that we've been dealing with with the flying car, and mm-hmm. um, we'll take it from there. But, TJ, you're lovely, lovely, lovely to speak with, and yes. we simply um, continue to do the work that you're doing, and you are so in- awe-inspiring. You're inspiring to us right now. Oh, well, thank yes. you, Gail. I mean, I hope that we can, uh, you know, together we can make the world a better place and for young people to never feel like they're too young to make a difference, you know. Um, so anything to, to further that message, you know, I think that you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. I, I do have one last thing I want you to tell young people. If you could address, we had a young man uh, last, two weeks ago uh, with the, mm-hmm. grand, the grandson of Nelson Mandela. He addressed mm. the U.N., and he was written up all over, actually, the world. Uh, for addressing the U.N. on climate change, okay? Now, Mm -hmm. everyone addresses the U.N. on different subjects. You, as a young man, I I, I like to call you a youthpreneur, not a kidpreneur because you're beyond the kid at this age of 19. I know, right? (laughs) Right. So I want to ask you, if Jay and I were standing right with you at the U.N. and you were asked to address the U.N., what would you talk to them about? I would say I'd say the future of automotive technology. Um, there's a lot of new stuff coming out, and there are a lot of concerns that you know people like myself face with regards not only to distraction but also just um, sort of what technology is actually going into the car. So I'd love to be able to speak with them on transportation in more general terms and be able to um, you know sort of talk about some of the solutions that are out there and, and some of the the new technology that they might be interested in. Well, we may have you do that. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Okay, so we will be in touch with you around that. And um, just thank you for being an amazing guest. And um, thank you for being on, and we hope you have an amazing day. Oh, thank you so much. You two have a great day as well. All right, all right. All right. Wonderful. See you soon. Jay, can you believe the amazing guest we had on today? I had fun. Oh, yes. I mean, truly. Uh, just they just they they shake up the world, both of them. They're doing things that just amazing, and I'm just we had a great show, and I hope everybody enjoyed it because it was a dynamite show today. It, it absolutely was, you know. And and listening to Tess Henley, you know, speak about, you know, she just continues, you know, one of the things you heard in her conversation is, even though we didn't get to talk as long as we would have liked her with her because of the technology glitches, um, she keeps on going. You know what I mean? You never heard her say, I give up. You know what I mean? She just keeps on going, and she's realistic about her time on social media and her time. You know, that's a concern I have of us in this industry of technology and everything that we're in, Jay, is that the artist doesn't get to focus on their creativity. That is something that a computer cannot do for you. I, I think, you know, you had it, you nipped it in the bud, Gil, when you, when you were going on, and I, I had to chuckle a little bit because when you were going on naming all of the jobs that she had to do, and the listeners go back, they can listen to all the things you named. You had to do this, you have to do that. You have to do everything yourself now. You don't have a life. I mean, and you, and you laid it out, Gil, 
perfectly. You know how it used to be in the old days, the record company used to do everything like a baby for you, and now she has to do everything, her social media, she has to create the song, she has to mix, she has to do her videos, she has to do her PR. It's a different world. Technology has made the world into you hold your own bootstraps up, and you better get out there and take advantage of it now before somebody else does. So you you got to do it yourself now. But, the, you know, the other issue around that, Jay, is, you know, with having to do social media, you know, it, 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 you know, you can't hire anyone to be your voice, okay? But at the same time, you're not having the opportunity to allow your voice to shine through with your creativity. You know, it, it, it's like you have to give up a piece of yourself. You know what I mean? Your voice is not shining through on your creativity the way you want to give 100% to, and at the same time, you can't give your voice over to someone online to speak for you either. You know what I mean? So there's right, got to be a place to draw the line. I mean, you and I deal with it every day. You know, I'm, you know even though you and I are executives here, we, we still have to focus on our creativity. Me is writing and, 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 you know, doing some of the lyrics and things that I do, and you doing the lyrics and the production, but at the same time, we have to deal with the business side. I mean, there was, you know, let's, let's break it down, Jay, you know, to our audience, they understand what the music industry is for, for two minutes here. Um, tell them what you need from the production side, Jay, and I'll fill it in from the business side. Tell them what you need. Well, first of all, you need to sit down and get your concept and get your song and get the, you know, the rudiments together, you know. Then that you're going to have to get you somewhere to where you can get this all stuff recorded. And that's a, that's a key. Now, you got to know what you're recording because if you don't record the right thing, it's going to all flop anyway because you started with your foundation. Once you get your foundation out, then you're going to have to. Then I'll let you take off from there. You have to do your production and your mixing and you get it mastered. So now what? you got a song. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jay, thank you. Thank you. And wait a minute, Jay, tell them what happens in the production phase of it as well. Because it's not before it gets to the mixing and mastering, okay? Jay, tell them what has to be made sure of during the recording process and the writing process. Oh, just deal with you gotta deal with people and you have to deal with engineers and you have to you have to deal with the whole communication of being able to commun- communicate with individuals to help you get your perspective down and recorded. So that's the hardest thing. Work with people. You have to get it mixed by this guy, or you have to have these formats. It has to be in this uh, sample range. It has to be 44.1 or 92. If you're dealing with a lot of different aspects of just getting the technical part of it, that's a, that's a whole thing in itself, and that's in, the, in itself. So it's a lot of things that go on. People think, oh, you just go in there and you just make a song and sing it, and you come out like a toaster. Just put the toast in there, and it just does, and the toast pops up and it's ready. No, you end up spending way more for your idea than maybe sales, because you might spend more. A lot of times you spend all this money, thousands of dollars just to record your song, and you might only sell one download. That's why people need to support the artists that they love because it's really, a, it's really sad that these people put their whole life into this one thing and they don't get a return, you know. So this, exactly. this is very hard. So, exactly, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'll take it from there. Okay. Okay. You've now, you know, so now Jay has just given you a bird's eye view. You know, we're just taking a few minutes with those of you who want to get into the industry. This is what Jay and I do well. Now Jay is taking you. He's the producer. He's taking you through the whole thing. He's working with you in the studio. Your song is finished. He's putting in the mixing and the mastering. During the time that all of this is happening, I want the artist to know, you need to make sure that before you've gotten to Jay, that you've already negotiated with Jay 
his his fee, um, what he's going to get in terms of points per song, or we'll say per song or track. You needed to have done that with either his representative or him directly with your manager and your lawyer. Now, here's the thing. Some states, you can, your manager actually cannot negotiate on your behalf as a personal manager. And if it's a business manager, there's also some guidelines there as well, state to state. Uh, some states, your manager is allowed to also book you with talent. So now while you're in the studio, you also want to be generating, some artists want to generate an income, especially nowadays, since you're not making uh, money from uh, downloads, digital downloads, CDs, or as we used to say, um, hard core merchandise in terms of the actual um, the actual CD that's going out or whatever. Now you're dealing with streaming. You have to look at how much you're making streaming. You also have to be on top of your streaming. You have to be on top of your streaming to make sure that people are downloading. You might want to be on top of your streaming to make sure that people are actually purchasing the, the, the not only the subscriptions, but purchasing your music to carry around with them because now in this day and age, People are not. So you also want to look at that. And also in this day and age, just like we spoke with Tess today, you will find yourself with no life. You will have to tour more. You will have to find something that differentiates you from the other artist who's online because everyone is being saturated online. You also have to have some realism about who you are and what you relate to. You may have to hook up with a particular brand or product that is in alignment with your music. Shall I keep going, Jay? Yeah. Oh, yes. You're going, and uh, it's it's important that everything that you're saying, Gil, is right. And you could keep going on and on and on. It's not, it's not well, easy. Just, exactly. I'm gonna finish up with this piece. You finish with Jay now. You finish with him on the music, the production end. Jay has, you know, put you onto your mixing and your mastering of your tracks, okay? And there's another thing. Are you going to Jay for your EPK, which is your introduction to the market with your audience, or are you going to him for the whole album? Um, are, do you have a recording deal, or are you an independent artist, or are you an independent artist with an independent label? If you're an independent artist with an independent label, you have to make sure that Jay's production company is in alignment with that production, with that uh, record label, and that he's the, the, the prime uh, production company with that label, whether it's an independent. If it's an independent, you have to make sure that the monies go directly to his production company, and it may not be as much as if he was with a major. And even with a major, they may not give as much if they're if that major is a Sony and they've got Beyonce carrying them. You also have to understand that as an independent artist, there may be 200, uh, or these days maybe 100 on the roster, but that the Beyonce, the Katy Perry's, and the Taylor Swift, and, uh, you know, the One Directions, and all of those people may be leading the way. So you will have to definitely get their attention and show them that you are worthy of their public relations, their publicity, and so forth. You may have to align with a brand to get the support there. You may have to do some crowdfunding on your album. You may also, um, if you decide to sell on your own, you may, not, may need your own IRQ uh, number so that on SoundScan and also the other places that Billboard is picking up your album. There's so many things you have to know. You have to have Jay in place who is going to be your producer. You'd have to have me in place who would be your manager, your consultant, or AR development. You need to also have a voice teacher to make sure that you're in alignment with your voice and that you know exactly 
what range you are and where you are at all times. You have to know how much money you're going to need to be allotted. You also need to know that if you are in a record label, that any money that you give to them has to be reciprocated later on at the end. So therefore, your royalties are going to be subjugated to the monies going back to the record label first. I'll stop there. Have, it, it, did that give them a, a little sense of it, Jay, you think? Woo-hoo. Yeah, that, don't remind me. But, yeah, that gives me <laughs> that gives them a great sense. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a very important thing. I'm glad that you're sharing this, Gail, because it's so important to ask yourself, do you really want to be in this business? Because right now this, this business – and, you know, Tess, Tess said something very important. She said it's ever-changing. She said, you don't know. You know, you don't know what's going to be the, the, the media. First, first we're doing CDs, then we're doing downloads, now we're doing streaming. And then, you know, what is the medium? What, what, what do you sell yourself on? What platform? Um, well, and so it's very important. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I was just saying, what platform or what the device? Is it going to be the iPhone? Is it going to be the, you know, what is it going to be? You don't know because the industry is always changing it's like an evolution it's, we're going through this pioneer stage where the the industry is starting to find itself and once it finds itself then you know like when we had just vinyl it was easy you just put your stuff on vinyl and you go to the record store and buy a vinyl you know but right now since it's changing streaming a satellite satellite uh radio just add they just added like a half a million more fans since uh the grateful dead uh what's that x x XM Radio, Cyrus, it just added a whole bunch of new subscribers this year. So you don't know who, who's going to end up being the winner. Satellite radio, internet uh, streaming, where is the industry going to be at in the end? Um, and the well, only difference, Gail, is I want to say this, Gail, I want to say this. We used to own the CD. We used to have control as a consumer of our music. But, now but you're paying for Exactly, but this is but Jay. Not to interrupt you, this is what I was saying earlier. To test, we no long we stream now. We no longer own the physical Ooh, embodiment of anything that we have. We don't even own the embodiment of an MP3, which is a watered down version of the actual uh, uh, sound recording or the wave file. We don't own it at all, unless we choose to purchase it. And we're not offering the purchasing now because I think what labels are seeing is that once we purchase it, then it's almost like, well, we have no need. With the streaming, the money is consistently coming in. But herein lies the problem. Herein lies the problem, Jay. We, this industry is ever, ever going on. One of the things SoundCloud said, the gentleman, and I love Alexander Lejeune. Alexander, shout out to you from Gail here. Um, I remember when Alexander came and the widget that he created, Jay, was because, if you remember, producers did not have an online, they didn't have a situation where they had a widget that could keep their tracks without being downloaded and stolen and sharing with the public. So he came along with that. Now it's grown, SoundCloud has grown into so many things. But what he said at a conference that was powerful in the last month, he said, you don't even know what streaming is. He said these companies coming in, whether it's Spotify or whatever, they don't even, it, it, it hasn't even started. He said it's not even one one of the market yet, and we're all getting excited about the streaming, and we're not even there. And here it is. Human beings still want to own something. That's why vinyl is coming back. That's why there's physical sales over in Japan and other places that make it up. 
That's why, you know why there's physical sales? Because when you're in third world countries where they're worried about eating, we've got people at these conferences talking about how can we get to the cell phones of these people and get them to listen to music, and you're somewhere out in the middle of Nova Scotia, and they're wondering how they're going to take care of their villages. They're not thinking about that. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's really, you know, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it, it's something that I'm very, as you know, very passionate about is that people don't own anymore. I think streaming is great if you're on the go and you're on the run and you don't want to have, you know, 2,000 songs bogging down your mobile phone. But if you're home and you're chilling out, you know, you can. it used to be that we'd have our own playlist, Jay, if you remember some time ago. We'd have our own playlist and buy from iTunes and just, you know, relax and chill out. Right. So that's all I have to say. I, I I know I got a little passionate there, Jay. But um, you know, what any last words, Jay, about the industry before we go? We're gonna look forward to see where the industry is gonna head and um and with everybody being their own record companies now. And you heard, we heard Tess say she's independent, um, Keisha Cole saying she's going independent. So now you're gonna have all these independent artists with independent labels. Boy. I mean this is uh this is where we headed, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm wondering how that's going to work. Could you imagine everybody it's having gonna... an independent label? <laughs> wow. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel sorry for Warner Chapel, who's going to have to do the admin administration on the publishing. I would not want to be them. Okay, I would not want to be any of these big publishing houses because it's going to be a nightmare because the industry has broken itself up into so many different factions. And you know what the biggest thing is right now, Jay, in the music industry, from the technology side? Data. Data is so important. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how we're all going to uh, mesh this together. But you know what, Jay? I think we need to do a show with you and I where, you know, maybe in the coming weeks we'll have a Music Wednesday where we just do a show with you and I where we just literally talk about music and have people ask us questions about the business of the industry. What do you think? That would be great. Let's, let's do one. So, folks, two weeks from this Wednesday, um, the second week of August, Jay Logan and Gail Davis will be doing on Listen, Give Savoy Live. We will be doing an answer question, and we will put it out there in the next week for you guys to come and ask us questions. And this is going to be a live show where all artists can call in and ask. So, Jay, as usual, it's been real. Thank you for being on the show with me always. I love you dearly. You're like a brother. And um, I'm glad San Francisco is having some weather like us today for a change. <laughs> So thank you for being on with us. We're twins today, and uh, it's hot. <laughs> well, I think it's only fair, Jay, before I go, I think it's only fair that you have this weather, okay? Yeah, you get to get fair. out of it. Your day is winding down. I got three more hours of this. <laughs> and you know, so you're Jay, I, wanna, I, I think we need to let Pat and Leather know that uh, Tess loved the music. She made note of that. Um, so that was oh. that is I want I want your number by Pat and Leather. Wow, yes, and I'll, I'll tell your friends uh, Dwayne and Mikkel that that she said that, and um, thank you, Gail, for you know you know playing playing. You're a good DJ, you know. We might have to have a, a job doing some other stuff. So, well, we let me know. I'm, I'm available. You charge. No problem. <laughs> I'll look in my calendar. Take care, Jay, and see you next week, guys. 
Okay, see you next week.